Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. What's up, Freedom House? Good to see all your beautiful faces. Y'all came to have church today, didn't you? Come on, can we give Jesus a big hand clap? Even at home, make sure you guys just participate, connect. We've got people from Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee, and New York. Welcome, guys. Uh, my name is Troy Maxwell. My wife and I are the senior pastors here. And um, I'm excited, man. I can't wait to be here. I, I can't wait to be here. I, I'm so glad to be here. And I've, I've got a great message for you. Before I get into that, I want to let you know of a couple things that are going on uh, around Freedom House. We've talked about a lot of stuff. But one thing that you're going to be seeing more information about is the fact... I, I realize that in our, in our city... There's been a lot of changes with regard to school, and many of you don't know what to do. Like, you got kids, you got a job, and you're like, well, they can't stay home. You know, I've got to figure something out. And so we are working on something that we would love your help with. If you're a teacher, administrator, something like that, we are trying to figure out how we can open up our buildings during the week to provide help for you, for your students with tutoring uh, to help you through the process, just to be there for you. Um, we don't know all the details, okay? So, but some of you are really good at that stuff. I do, I'm not good at it, okay? Um, I don't even know if I like kids anymore. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. I have three kids, but they're all out of that now. And so I've almost got them all out of my house, which is like two things, freedom and a raise. <laughs> Can I get an amen for that? Somebody got it right there. You got it right. You know exactly what I'm telling you. You can't wait to get them out. And they're not coming back either. I'm changing the locks and everything so they never can get back again. But uh, we're going to try to do our best to help you with that. Um, if you are talented, if you have a gifting in that area, just email us at info at freedomhouse.cc. We'll, we're going to have a meeting soon to talk about it. And we're going to be moving really, really quickly with this. And I think it's going to help a lot of people, not just in our church, but also in our community to provide for help. We've got buildings that are uh, capable to hold lots of people. And uh, even six feet apart. So we can do it and we can make it happen in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hey, I got a message for you today. I want to talk about what do you do when you feel hurt, disappointed, or offended? We're in this series called You Asked For It. We're answering questions that you have asked. And I'm going to share a couple things with you that are more personal. Um, and, and I'm not 
sharing this for you to pity me or I'm just simply sharing this because this message is just as much for me as it is for you. And so, as you know, the last few, probably the last month has been a very challenging month in our country. Um, And I, I promise you, you would not want my job as a pastor. Now, I signed up for this, okay? It wasn't like I had some kind of burning bush experience and God forced me into my my role. I was called into leadership, into being a pastor, but I realized uh, early on in my role as a pastor that I would be making decisions, uh, doing things that wouldn't necessarily be popular, that not everybody's going to like it. And if you own a business, if you're in leadership, you understand that too, that you're going to have to make decisions and it's not going to please everybody. Matter of fact, you can never please everybody. <laughs> and so I, I have said some things, <clears throat> I've done some things that were not quote-unquote popular or PC or not right. And I've been called a lot of names. In the last month, I've been called a racist. I've been called a white supremacist. I've been called, my wife has been berated on Instagram and social media. Uh, My daughter was threatened physically. Um, And all of this happened, if you can believe this, by Christians. These were all Christians that so-called, we'll put it in quotes, Christians that did this. And I had the opportunity to be hurt. Matter of fact, I was hurt. There were some times where I got hurt. I got disappointed because some of these people that did these things, said these things, were folks that I had invested time and energy and effort into. Some of them have left the church. Some of them have <clears throat> defriended me and, and all of those different things. Now, leadership is brutal. It's brutal and beautiful all in the same time. I'm not telling you this because I want you to feel pity for me. I'm not telling you this because I want you to go, oh, I'm so sorry, Pastor Troy, and what can I do for you? Can I take you to lunch today? Sure, but that's not the reason that I would want you to say this. Um, I, I want to I talk about this because uh, th- I, I went through the opportunity to get offended. I'm going to talk about hurt, disappointment, and then I'm going to end with offense. Look at what Paul said, and we'll start right here. Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. It says, I pray, and a great Bible study for all of us to do would take some time over the next month, and look at all the, the prayers that Paul prayed. Look at all the, he, he prayed some very culturally relevant prayers for you and I. He said, I pray that your love, everybody shout love. Come on, look at your neighbor, say love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing. Keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters. And this is important for us as the church to make sure that we are falling on the correct sword when it comes to our convictions as believers. That we're not getting caught up in the sway of what our culture says is important. When really what we need to make sure is that we're falling on the scriptures as our conviction, not just what's convenient. Are you following what I'm talking about? This is important because I believe, okay, I believe, and this is something that we all should believe, that the church is the answer. That Jesus is the answer for what we're dealing with. Whether it's a pandemic, whether it's social injustice. Um, whatever it may be, that Jesus really has the answer. And we have to be convicted about that. We have to really know what matters, or else we'll get distracted very, very easily. 
in our walk with God and in our life in general so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Paul says in verse 9, he says, keep on growing. We say that with me, keep on growing. I believe relationships are hard. Okay, let's be honest. If anybody's married, you know what I'm talking about. I've been married almost 28 years. It's difficult, okay? I can talk about her because she's not here today. <clears throat> it's challenging. It's hard to get along with people at your office. It's hard to get along with people in your neighborhood. It's hard because often God puts people in your life to help you grow. Amen. I think there are two reasons, and you may want to write these down, two reasons, this isn't in my notes, but two reasons why relationships are important. Number one is they help you grow. They help you grow. And this is important, especially with a message like this, because I know what you'll do in a message like this. Okay, in a message like this, you'll sit there and think, oh my gosh, I wish so-and-so was here. Oh, I'm going to send them this link. They need this. I'm going to take notes for them today. Amen. What's their, can, I, can we do 77977, send a message to somebody? Because they really need to hear this word. Pastor, you are preaching to, and you fill in the blank of who it is. Not myself. Like, far, far be it, the, the truth is that we would actually apply a message to ourselves in a, in a, in a service. Because it's way easier to point the finger at somebody else. But the only way you grow is through pressure. When a seed is planted in the ground, the reason why that delicate seed that falls in the ground after water falls on it is cracked open is because the environment is so that the pressure around it does it in a way that doesn't kill the seed, but literally cracks the shell open in order for that tender plant to grow up. And that's exactly what happens with you and I. Sometimes we're thrust into an environment where we feel all this pressure around us, when in reality God is using that pressure to crack the tender outside because he knows that there's something on the inside that needs to be drawn out. Come on, everybody say, keep on growing. Keep on growing. The other reason that God puts relationships in our life is to help others. We, we, are, we are here to help other people. Jesus was asked a question in Matthew. He said, what's the most important commandment? What's the, what's the most important commandment? Like, what, if you could sum it up, Jesus, and, and he, he's saying this kind of sarcastically. If you could sum it up, Jesus, what is the most important commandment of all the commandments? And Jesus, just real quickly, he said, love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and love others as yourself. Now, the first half, easy it's easy to love God. Why? Because he doesn't live with you. <clears throat> right? I know, what, I know what you're saying. But pastor, he's here in spirit. Yeah, but you can ignore him pretty easy if you want to. Right? Let's be honest. Remember, if you're not honest in church, God will kill you. So, so it's easy. But when people are in our life all the time, when we have to work with them, when we have to Zoom with them, when we have to you know, have a relationship with them, that's when the second half of the verse becomes real relevant to us. Because Jesus said, it's equally as important to love others as yourself. Amen. And so, listen, listen, I'm going to say something kind of strong. Don't tell me how much you love God if you can't love people. Amen. Let me say it one more time for those of you all that are watching online. Don't tell me how much you love God 
if you can't love other people. If you cannot exercise that love in relationships and not become so stinking fragile that everything becomes hurt and disappointment and offense. So let's talk about something real important. How how do we not deal with disappointment and hurt? How do we not do this? I want to give you a couple thoughts here. You may want to take some notes, write some stuff down. The first is you don't want to ignore it. Bad idea to ignore it. Why, why is it a bad idea? We shouldn't deny our pain, delay our pain, diminish our pain. Because if you just pack it down, hurt, follow me here, unresolved will become resentment. And resentment, if you don't deal with that hurt that is the root, then resentment will turn from a behavior to an identity. Now, what is resentment? Resentment is I have been unfairly treated unjustly treated, and as a result, I'm going to position myself, my behavior, in such a way to never let you get into my heart. And so if I resent you, and this happens in marriages all the time, if you don't resolve that hurt with her, let me just promise you, men, if you're married, okay, and you do not resolve that hurt, it will come back. Okay, they may not remember some things, but they will remember that hurt. Amen. Come on, ladies. You know what I'm talking about. We need to resolve it. Now, I'm going to pick on you in just a minute. So I'm going to pick on the husbands right now. But you need to resolve it because if you become resentful, it, will become, it, it can turn from a behavior into now am, I am identifying as a resented person. And then I will position myself as a victim in every situation that I'm in. Because it's way easier to blame somebody else then take responsibility where I am. Amen. Way easier to do that. I can point the finger at you all day long. Why? Because that takes the pressure off of me. I never have to change. Come on. Come on. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean other people shouldn't change, but that ain't your responsibility. Amen. If you've lived your whole entire life wishing somebody else's change, it's going to be a very hard life for you because they will let you down often. I'm going to amen myself. Don't make me amen myself. I will do it. I will do it. Here's what the psalmist said. He said, I kept very quiet, but I became even more upset. I became very angry inside. And as I thought about it, my anger burned. Don't ignore it. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. Find a safe place. You don't want to tell everybody about your hurt. Look, don't be going around telling everything. Sometimes they're meant to be prayed about, and some things are meant to be said, said about, said about. So don't, don't tell everybody, oh, don't, don't do that. No, find a safe environment. That's why we have summer life groups. That's why it's important to get in a life group, create a confidential environment. And if you're in a life group, you don't need to tell everybody else about somebody else's hurt, okay? Create that environment so they can feel safe. Second thing that you don't want to do is run from it. Run from it. I call this the chicken approach. They just run. They just run. Moses ran from Pharaoh. Jezebel, uh, Elijah ran from Jezebel. Jonah ran from God. The prodigal son ran from his father. But let me tell you, whenever you run from God, run from your hurt, God will always meet you where you end up. Think about it. Moses, burning bush. Jonah, belly of a whale. 
uh, Elijah, the cave. You know what I'm talking about. The prodigal sons, a pile of pigs, and God showed up. Okay, so don't find yourself in those positions, so don't run from them. And this is what happens over and over and over. And you have to decide what is running from versus running to. Two different things. Matter of fact, in times like right now, don't make any big decisions about stuff. Right now is not the best time to be making big relational decisions because it, it's, it's, a bare, it's, it's too much stuff going on, especially emotionally. You don't ever want to make big decisions. Amen. And don't run from things. Don't run from church to church. Don't run from job to job. Don't run from city to city because your hurt will find you. It's going to show up exactly where you are. You say, well, I'm going to go to another church. Guess what? The, the church isn't the issue. I think you can figure out who the real issue is. Don't point at anybody. <laughs> point at yourself. Because if, if everywhere Bob goes, Bob has a problem, guess who the problem is? Bob. Amen. You know, the average person stays at a church for 2.8 years. That's statistics. So look at me for a second. You know what's going to happen at your 2.8 year? There's going to be somebody, someone, maybe me. You say, you're not you, pastor. Yeah. I'm going to do something. Somebody's going to do something. A leader, a volunteer. Somebody's going to park in your spot. Somebody's going to sit in your seat. Somebody's going to say something you don't like or not say something that you should have heard or not do something at that 2.8 year because the devil knows if he, can't, if he can get you unplanted, you'll never flourish in, in God's courts. So he'll just move you from place to place to place. Some people run with vices. They use alcohol or, or sex or pornography. And they'll use that in order to medicate the pain. And really what they're doing is they're just running from their... So don't run from it. Confront it head on. Here's number three. is Don't worry about it. Worrying is an attempt to control the uncontrollable. That's what worry is. Worry is when we ruminate over something that was meant to be given to God. Worry will always backfire. Always. So here's what Jesus said. He said, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Okay, how, let's be honest. How many of y'all worry? Raise your hand. I'm raising my hand with you. Okay. Okay, it's probably 80, 90%. It's easy to. So why would God put in the scriptures to not do it? It's hard. But I believe... There's a grace for every commandment. Amen. So when we decide to obey God, when we decide to stretch our faith and begin to operate in obedience, there's always a grace. There's always power to operate in that obedience. So how do we not worry? Okay, Worry holds on. Prayer lets go. So the answer is prayer. The answer for my worry is to pray. Well, I still feel like, keep praying. Amen. Well, well it, it seems like, keep praying. Amen. I keep seeing their faith, keep praying. Keep praying. Well, well I, I don't know what, keep praying. You just keep praying 
and you keep praying and you keep praying and you keep letting go. You keep letting go. You keep just letting go over and over. Well, I keep praying about the same stuff. Yeah, until you feel like it is out of your hands. You keep praying. Well, what if I don't know what to pray? Guess what? Jesus has an answer for that too. His name is the Holy Spirit. Isn't it great to know that he gave you, he gave you a gift? He, gave all, he said, it's better that I go away because I'm gonna, when you become a Christian, I'm going to deposit the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And when you don't know what to pray for, the Bible says, as you should, he said he'll give you a language called praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. And you can just start praying in the Holy Spirit. If you don't know much about that, just go to the YouTube channel at Freedom House. Talk to somebody in the Salt Resource, and we will teach you about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because here's what the Bible says. You, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. How? Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. When I don't know what to pray for, I just pray in the Holy Spirit. When I don't want to pray for somebody... When I want God to kill them, come on, on. on, just a small truck, not a big truck. I just pray in the Holy Ghost. I just pray in the Holy Ghost. I just pray and pray and pray. Why? Because worry holds on, prayer lets go. Is this all right? Y'all learning anything? Come on, we want to deal with hurt and disappointment. This is how we don't do it. Hide from it. Not a good idea to hide from it. And this is what, ladies, this is what you do. What's going on? Nothing. No, seriously. What what, what do you... You look a little sad today. I'm fine. I don't don't want to talk about it right now. I'm trying. Sweetheart, I'm just... I just want to talk to you. You know, it looks like you're not upset. No, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, yeah, I don't don't want to deal with it. Y'all, ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Because you're hiding. You put the mask on. You go outside. Everything's good when we go outside. In the house, though, you're. Don't hide from it. Be honest about it. Show, show the weakness. It's okay to, to show the weakness. It's okay to open up. Well, they're not going to be able to process it. That's okay. Sometimes you just need to let it out. Paul, I love what Paul did. He went to Jesus three different times because he had a problem. He had an issue. Now, we don't know what the problem was. Most theologians believe it was a person. They called it a thorn in the flesh. If you look at Scripture and study Scripture, a thorn in the flesh really means uh, a person that has been inserted to try to stop you. But but Jesus answered and said this, My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is all you need. For my power is greatest when you are weak. I love this, that Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, was able to share his weakness, his hurt, his pain, his disappointment. His disappointment in God. His disappointment with with what was going on around him. And then he, he responds back to that statement. He says, I am most happy then to be proud of my weaknesses. This should free us to be able to share some of those hurts and disappointments that we're dealing with in order to feel the protection of Christ's power over me. And then the last thing that we don't want to do is we don't want to become bitter about it. 
Now, this is what I feel like is happening in our country right now. That there's been a seed of bitterness that has been sown by the enemy. This is a spiritual attack, guys. This is not, and I'm not, I'm not talking, you know, we can, we can point the finger at a specific race of people, but the issue is really the devil's trying to divide us. He's doing his best to divide us. And we have to demonstrate what it looks like to be unified, especially in the church. And we can't become bitter about it. We can't, because bitterness will never make you better. Bitterness always causes more anger and self-pity. Bitterness causes us to condemn the world, those around us. It, it closes others off. It, it causes us to not trust. And so here's what happens. How you know that you are bitter is you start making vows about certain environments. You'll, you'll say, well, that, let's just use the church. That church hurt me, so all churches are like that. That pastor did that, so all pastors are. That black person did that, so all black people are. That white person did that. Can I, can I go there for a second? So all white people are. And what happens is you have set up bitterness in your heart. All men are. I, I went through a divorce. So all men are. I'm never going to get married again. Somebody got free right there. <laughs> we get disappointed and, and we develop this bitterness. So here's what Hebrews says. It says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. So, so God tells us right from the beginning here, in this verse, he says, listen, there's grace for your bitterness. Let it, lest any root... Not fruit, but root. Got to go below the ground. You got to dig deep of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. Many become defiled. So, so let me just give you an example here. And then, and then we'll finish this off with dealing with offense. When, when Moses delivered, when, when God delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt, it was symbolic on us as Christians being delivered from our past. And there's something that we have to understand anytime there's deliverance from your personal Egypt. From any time where you feel oppressed or, or in slavery or enslaved by any type of personal thing, or what's going on around us. And this is everybody. I'm talking about everybody. I'm talking about all of us dealing with challenges. And every time you come to a new level of understanding who you are in Christ, you will face bitterness. And let me prove it to you. Because Moses brought the children of Israel from the Red Sea. So they come out of Egypt. They go through the Red Sea. And the first place they go to is a place called Mara, which means bitterness. They could not drink the waters of Mara. Why? For they were bitter. And the people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? What are we going to drink? We're thirsty, Moses. You brought us out here to die. So he cried out to the Lord. 
Here's what God's answer was. And the Lord showed him a tree. Why did he show him a tree? Because he was pointing to the cross. That if you want to heal bitterness, you have to take your bitterness to the foot of the cross. So when he cast it, the tree, into the waters, the waters were made sweet. So look at me, church. Our job is to take the cross to the bitter waters. That's our job. That's our job. Come on, can we give the Lord a big hand clap? That's our role, is to take the cross. What does that mean? Love, caring, to not be bitter ourselves. To, to, to walk this out and, and realize I'm hurt, I'm disappointed, but I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to allow myself to get to the place because the truth is everyone gets hurt. Everyone gets to, uh, disappointed, but not everyone has to live offended. Amen. Offense is a choice. Hurt and disappointment is going to happen to you. But offense is always your response to that hurt and disappointment. So how do I deal with this? How do I respond to this? Well, Matthew 24 said, says that, oops, that's not on there. Everyone, Matthew, Jesus said this, Ma- Matthew 24, Jesus made this statement. He, he, said, he said, many will be offended, but he who endures to the end will be saved. So we have to endure to the end. Why? Because offense erodes at our communion with God. It will. Offense is that trap that the enemy would love to get our whole nation in. And especially you as a Christian, he would love for you to get offended and live in bitterness for the rest of your life. And this involves anything in regards to relationships that erodes at our communion with God. Matter of fact, Jesus even made it, made it very clear. If you've got a gift and you're bringing it to God, leave your gift and go resolve it with your brother or sister and then come back and worship. So you can't even worship without dealing with the resolution Offense also is a judgment toward the others that, you, that holds us in bondage. Why? Because they ain't thinking about you. They, they have moved way beyond you. Somebody does something to offend you, they're not remembering you. They're not thinking of them going, hmm, look what I did to them. No, they are on to the next person to offend. But you hold yourself in the trap of their words. You hold yourself in the bondage of their issues. Second, third, thirdly, offense produces isolation. Why? Because it becomes a me mentality instead of a we mentality. And then lastly, offense is the hardest bondage to break. I believe offense, number one reason why, people, why Christians are derailed in their walk with God. Number one reason. Because it becomes a, a spiral effect, a ripple effect. They get offended and they get, they get hurt, disappointed. They, they fall into offense, they become bitter, they, they, stop, uh, they, they stop living under authority, they stop going to church, they stop connecting with people, and, and they just isolate themselves. See, the Bible says a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. Okay, so I'm going to give you one thought in closing, one thought that will help you live unoffendable. Because you can become unoffendable. You can. You can live unoffendable. Offendable. So how do you do it? Okay. Very simple. It's very simple. You become unoffendable by understanding that it's impossible that no offenses should come. They're going to come. Especially at that 2.8 year period. 
If you've been at this church for about three years, if you're watching online, you've been at this church for about three years, guess what? There's going to be a temptation for you to get offended. And then run to the next church. Run to the next city. Um, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook that offense. So how do you become unoffendable? You become unoffendable for one reason. is by not... The reason for offense is unrealistic or unfulfilled expectations. So when I put an expectation on you that's unrealistic or unfulfilled, then I have set myself up to be offended. Okay, so I'll give you an example. I'll just use myself as an example. So you, you come to Freedom House Church, and you have an idea of what a pastor should or shouldn't do. It. So you think, because I'm your pastor, that we should have a dinner together. That's your expectation. So when you walk through these doors, that pastor is going to have dinner with me. But what if I don't? What if I choose not to have dinner with you? Are you going to get offended? Because that's your expectation. Because think about it. If I were to have dinner with every single person in this church, I would never be home. Because there's thousands of people in this church. Or, Or maybe counseling. Well, I think Pastor Troy should counsel me. Did you know I'm a terrible counselor? I'm horrible. Our counseling appointment would last about maybe three minutes. What's going on with you? You tell me what's going on. Stop it. Now get out. That's it. That's done. That's the end of our counseling. That's why I have people like Aaron and Pastor Aaron and Pastor Michael and, and Morgan and these other people that are phenomenal counselors. They're great counselors. I'm terrible at it. You don't want me counseling you. I'm not good at it. I'm good at this. I'm great at leading the church. I'm great at making decisions. I'm great at doing a lot of different things. That I'm not very good at. Can I do it? Absolutely. But I'm not the best choice. But if you come into the situation with that expectation, guess what's going to happen? Offense. So, so how do you become unoffendable? How do you become? You lower your expectation of people and you raise your expectation of Jesus. Because some of us have real high expectations of people. And I promise you, they're going to let you down at some point. Because not anybody, not anybody can be Jesus except Jesus. Amen. When I got married, my wife, the first couple years, she would get so angry with me. And so upset because she wanted me to fix all her problems. And I finally, I stopped her and I said, I'll be a great husband, but I am a lousy Jesus. And it really helped her. You got to raise your expectations of Jesus because he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never let you down. He'll always be there, be there for you. He'll answer every question you have. Well, he didn't ask them fast enough. He'll answer them. Just wait. Sometimes he answers them in, in the form of a, a circumstance. Sometimes he's answering them in silence because he wants you to understand what it looks like to put your trust in him. Woo. Become unoffendable. I want to become unoffendable. I want to stay unoffendable. I had an opportunity in the last month to be, really be offended. But I've decided that I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to 
put myself in a position where I can become indifferent to the needs of the people that I want to minister to because of one or two people that have hurt me. I don't want to do that. And I would challenge you today to decide, God, I want to become unoffendable. I'm going to lower my expectations of people. Because here's here's the truth about it, and then I'm done. The truth is, if somebody comes in your life and you have really low expectations, and they exceed them, guess what they become to you? A blessing. (laughs) Right? You're like... Holy cow, like, so you lower my expectations for you? I become the best pastor you ever had in your entire life. (laughs) Right? If you come in here with all these expectations, way up here expectations, I'm going to disappoint you, and I'm going to be your, I'm I'm really going to hurt your feelings. Because I am not perfect by any means. I, I am, my wife tells me all the time, you are jacked up. On many different levels. Amen. Why don't you stand up on your feet? (laughs) Was this good today? Did you learn something? All right. Let me close with this one verse. I just want to read this over you. Okay. I want want to prophesy this over your life. Summing up, Peter says, be agreeable. Be sympathetic. Be loving. Be compassionate. Be humble. That goes for all of you. No exceptions. No retaliation. No retaliation. Let me read that one more time. No retaliation. No sharp-tongued comments. Amen. If you, if you can't control yourself, just delete the Facebook account. Hello. Yeah, but I can't. No, just free yourself from it. It's, it's so freeing. I'm telling you, when you just take a break from it, when you delete it and, for, and just put in some random password, you never can get in it again. Just tie, just do like that. And then they, you can't, you don't know what it is. You're like, wow, this is so freeing that I don't have to comment on every single solitary political, Christian, whatever it is issue. Because I know what really matters. No sharp tongued sarcasm. Instead, bless. Bless. That's your job to bless. You'll be a blessing. And guess what? you'll also get a blessing. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your grace today. Thank you. God, we want to become a, a, a people that are unoffendable. Even today, maybe there's something that I said today that could potentially hurt, disappoint, cause offense. Father, I pray that we can walk past that. We can set the right expectations on those around us and and, and Father put expectations on Jesus raise our level of expectation because you're our savior you're our, our rock we can build our lives, our families our relationships upon you Father we forgive people who have hurt us we release them right now from the bondage of our heart Father, help us to process maybe some things that people said, did, didn't say, didn't do as we walk this out and be the church to present the cross to our culture that is so bitter right now. 
so that it will become sweet. Give us that opportunity this week. Give us that opportunity to step out in faith and do something that others haven't done, to exceed their expectations and be a blessing to somebody. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today, and maybe you've never come to the cross. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Listen, let me tell you something. You'll never be good enough. you never do enough. You'll never not sin enough. Because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But that's why Jesus died for you. And he died for me. So that he could free you. Free me. Free you from your sin. That you could be righteous because of his righteousness. And then it no longer becomes about what you do. Or how good you are. Because he was good enough to die for you. If you're here today and you would like to make that decision, even online, just just chat. Just tell somebody right there in that chat bar. Say, I want to make a decision. If you're in this room and maybe you fell away from God. and You want to give your life to Jesus. Rededicate, recommit. Just, just, could you do me a favor? Just right now, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Ready? One, two, three. Just raise your hand all across this room. Come on, lift it up if you say, yeah, I want to get right with God. Thank you. Thanks, bro. Appreciate that. Anybody else? Anybody else? Online. I want to pray. Let's just all pray this prayer out loud. Those of you that raised your hand, just say this loud enough so you can hear yourself in your own ears. Just say this with me. All together. Come on, every Christian in this place. Let's make this declaration. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe his blood washes me of all my sins and all my mistakes. Today, I give my life to follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for being raised from the dead so I could experience and live a brand new life. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody shouted, amen. Come on, give him some praise. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.